Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, Lucian gets excited about Undead Adventures, Jordan is running a Halloween Kids on Bikes game, and we both geek out about a homeworld RPG that is coming soon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with the silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello on this spooky end of the October show that we have going on. <laughs> hello, all you people. I hope you're wearing your costumes for today. You came to listen in your cosplay or at least practicing for Halloween. So hope you guys got some good stuff. I'm wearing my skeleton costume but I've got my meat body over it. Right. So it's hard to see, but that's what I'm yeah. that's what I have for Halloween right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh I'm in my famous Twitch streamer costume, but uh, <laughs> it's ironic cuz it's not, but <laughs> I did see um uh, LB Hackamup was asking, "Hey, when are you guys doing your Halloween special show?" and I thought it's got to be today and next week. And <laughs> All of them are Halloween specials. <laughs> I don't know. But though we were talking that we haven't actually, we weren't really doing, we didn't have plans for Thursday, October 31st. That's true. Um, and so maybe we should do a special Saturday morning D&D show at night episode and we'll just like talk about horror themed campaigns or something. I don't know. That could be interesting. That could be fun. We could stream on Halloween night and just chat. Yeah. Um, or, or I don't know. There's lots of stuff we could do. We could do a late night Saturday morning D and D yeah. show just to confuse everybody. <laughs> exactly. It's like the late late show. And uh, Gray Johnson, he's going as Lucian for Halloween this year, so uh, that is an honor. And you really, what do you need? A t shirt, <laughs> uh, a terrible haircut, set of and headphones. You got it. You're yeah, good. Yeah. headphones. <laughs> uh, we talk about Dungeons and Dragons and RPGs and all the fun things that we like to play. Um, in the tabletop role-playing game scene, uh, mm-hmm. what's what's going on in the news, Mr. Lucian? Well, I felt like it was a little bit slower this week, and I think that's mostly because we've had UA articles week after week after week, it almost seems like. We have most of our books are out. Um, Tyranny of Dragons is on the store shelves, so you can go and check it out. I did notice it was on uh, Roll20 also, so I'm sure some of the virtual tabletops may have either repackaged it or went through and made that book available in their virtual tabletop. So if you want to run that, I'm very keen on maybe going back and running that original adventure because it just have you it read feels them? like a good nostalgia. So Did you run um, them or read them before? No, I had not. Oh, okay. No. So it's interesting. I was uh, there's a couple things about this, and I watched a couple reviews on the Tyranny of Dragons. I haven't bought the the, the re-release, but I've mm-hmm. read through Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, and uh, I did videos on them uh, to be like, is this adventure worth playing? And I'm excited because the errata is really nice, and I didn't realize this until I watched a couple reviews. But the original books were made so close to the D&D Next playtest that they had D&D Next playtest like things in them, uh, references mm. to the playtest, um, to rules that didn't make it into the final, uh, the final build of Dungeons & Dragons 5e. Um, so having that fixed is really cool. But overall, like I don't think they changed much as what the reviews I was reading. And so it was kind of like 
not a letdown because it is a re-release and so i shouldn't Mm -hmm. be upset but i was expecting i I guess when they said they've revised the first couple chapters or something there was something that they were promoting like hey we've we've done all of this yeah i thought they rewrote the first chapter completely and that's not what i saw on the reviews that i did but or the reviews that i saw sorry not that i didn't do any reviews um that it was mostly their rewriting was how they kind of mashed the the two adventures together to make one flowing adventure. So um, I don't know uh, if it's I think if you don't have the adventures and you're curious about them, this is definitely well worth your money because it's updated and stuff. But I think if you already own the other two, there's really no reason to get this one. Uh, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my opinion. And yeah. I was really excited for it. But then when I found out that they didn't actually put as much revising effort into it as i thought they did i was i was less keen on it but that's yeah i think my interest comes from definitely the cover art because i'm a sucker for really good cover art i I love the the actual idea of the adventure the we're playing dungeons and dragons and it's a it's an adventure about dragons and so i think that was what drew me and i never bought it originally so like you if you've already bought it you may not feel like you need to have it but i never ran it as a dungeon master either back that when it first came out i wasn't a dungeon master during the dnd next and i haven't had all this practice and all this all these different games that i've ran to give me all these skills that i feel like i've really begin to polish and continue to try to improve i'd love to go back to that original adventure and really bring those skills to it mm-hmm. and just see can i make this a fun engaging adventure for my players because even some of my players had said oh i think i remember sort of playing that a little bit a long time ago but i don't (laughs) remember it being very fun or or whatever so i wonder i guess it was almost like a challenge to lucian was like all right i'll take your you think this module is not fun and i'll make it fun you know or i'm gonna drive that fun down your throat (laughs) or whatever (laughs) so it was just like a, a a clarion call of challenge to me to say let's go back to this old stuff which is old, we say five years ago, um, old stuff, and and see if it's how good it is. So okay. I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to take a look at it. Um, it's fitting it in the schedule, which is always mine and your problem, yeah. is that we have 7 million ideas and we have one day to do any of them. So <laughs> I got approached don't get to yesterday go to be like, hey, <laughs> are we going to start another game? And I was like, guys, I'm at three games a week. Yeah. And I have to spend time with my family because I love them. <laughs> so it was one of those things where I'm like, I think that's, you know, like the occasional one shot, I can fit that in. But if you're, you're mm-hmm. talking about a fourth campaign, I was like, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could start the Dungeons and Dragons experiment where you have your child sitting with you as you dungeon master its entire life. So from the moment of, you know, it come, you know, just every single day of its life, it sat on your lap during dungeon mastering (laughs) just to see if that child becomes a super child or maybe it becomes (laughs) a lich or maybe, you know, it develops some magical powers in some way you can say what does the cow say and the baby's like i don't know what the cow says but if you say like (laughs) what does the goblin say they know exactly how to speak goblin yeah very articulate yeah Yeah, i think that would work yeah yeah So other than that, um, I thought the big news of the, it was like on Friday of last week, I believe it was, um, 
Matt Colville launches Kingdoms and Warfare on mm -hmm. his Kickstarter. Last I checked, it was about 800,000. They might have broke a million by today. I didn't check it this morning. I probably should have. Um, I was a huge fan of the original Strongholds and Followers, which is behind me. And I've been using it in my campaign. And we're about to get the second book for that, which is Kingdoms and Warfare, which is going to add a lot of stuff. And a new thing that <clears throat> he had mentioned that I thought was interesting that's going to be in this book was the idea of how to run a campaign where your players are all the same class which is an idea I've had in the past. Me and you have joked about mm -hmm. maybe an all cleric campaign at one point to play around all with the idea. would be really fun. All bard, yeah, there you go, yeah. yeah. They're, they're a band, a traveling band. Exactly. So something it like that. Works. So <laughs> I, I'm curious to see how you, I mean, even traveling monks. I mean, you could be the five monks of the, of, you know, like, and you would have a crazy fun Kung Fu movie, old style Kung Fu movie, <laughs> or you could have an anime based on that because they're all the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of cool possibilities there. And I'm wondering what he's going to bring to the table on that. I'm a big fan of Matt Colville's. I know it's not for everybody. Not everybody loves that stuff, but I enjoy of supplement stuff that's not released by Wizards of the Coast. I, I'm a big fan of it. So well, what about you? Are you thinking about Kingdoms and Warfare? Oh yeah, I backed it. I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah. I don't have the financial resources to back and get all the minis, yeah. but man, those minis are cool. Like he mm -hmm. outdid himself. Like the gem dragons were cool last time, but now he mm -hmm. knows what he's doing and they have the right uh the right distributors and, and manufacturers and stuff and they know how to like go about this mini process and like they're just so cool and i i don't know one of my players is seriously considering backing at like the multiple hundred dollar level so he can get all the minis and i was <laughs> like that would oh that's real cool like they're they're super fun um, but I did get the book I'm really excited uh, I was a little disappointed that he said that it's going to be um uh finished by like 2021 mm -hmm. so it's going to take like a year and a half to get um but then in one of his videos he was just like we said 2021 because that's how long it took for the last book so that we know that it at least will take that long but they're yeah. hoping to have it earlier so i'm like oh we'll probably like most likely he knows what he's doing now with kickstarters i think we'll get mm -hmm. it in a year so i think it'll be next october yeah. november we'll see it um, hopefully yeah, yeah. that's my hope because I, you know, and we always get the PDF early, which is really cool. And then the printed book took a little longer and things like that. So, yeah, you um, said they weren't yeah. printing from China this year, yeah. this time around. They, they, um, the problems they had with trying to make sure that they could ship to all countries, which you just can't, not everybody yeah. has the capacity to be able to ship to every single country. So there's always some people out there that hear about these cool Kickstarters or stuff or contests or new products in there they're kind of sad because they can't get them to their, you know, because of whatever their postal service is or their customs mm -hmm. services doesn't let that stuff come in, but they've done a really good job of making it at least branch out to as many possible countries out there. Mm -hmm. They've got that nailed down his whole team, Anna and Lars. Um, they all have that really good team. And if you haven't been watching over there, they've been doing some streams of playing Dune, the board game. Yeah. And the production quality of that is like critical role quality of what they're running. They've got really good overlays. They've got changing backgrounds to show what turn the board game is on. They've got cameras set. They've got their sound set up. They're funny and they're engaging people to watch play a game. They've really got it dialed in right now. So he's taken that money that they've gotten from the last Kickstarter. Because if you remember, the last Kickstarter was not only the book, 
but it was also for the live campaign show. Mm -hmm. So they were doing those two things. This time it's the book, the minis. Um, I don't think he's added anything else onto that. So it's just book and minis and we'll get that out. So I think that'd be really cool. And they'll, they'll continue streaming. I'm pretty sure. So, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure of it. Cause why yeah, not? he's actually streaming even more and more and more. It seems like, so if you want to catch out, that kind of stuff. It's pretty good. So, yeah. I love his little Matt chats that he has where he's just like, yeah. let's just talk. And I'm like, God, you're so <laughs> engaging. You charismatic how, fool. I can't believe you. Anyway. Dare you. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, what do we have looking forward? Uh, we're not too far off. What are we maybe three weeks off, maybe a total of four weeks, depending on the calendar sits that we get Eberron rising from the last war. And are we going to be rising from that last war? Who knows? Um, and also on that day, we will see the box set for Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty. And I think that'll be about the last Wizards of the Coast release for this year. And maybe, maybe end of this month, maybe getting into mid-November, we might start to get the hints of what we might see next year. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to start dropping some news on us about what to look forward to in 2020. Yeah. To get it, because they always want to keep us on the edge of red of excitement of keep oh there's this next big just... thing coming yeah yeah, yeah yeah just keep going keep going <laughs> so i think that was about all i saw for um uh news i did notice one on here that is like i jumped over over the moon when i saw it but i'll let you you talk about because you put it in the notes here so i think oh, it's a yeah. really cool one so uh this is older this came out a couple weeks ago and i don't know why i didn't put it in the news earlier but i was i was surfing websites this morning and i'm like oh yeah we should totally talk about this uh modifius which is a company that makes uh tabletop no i shouldn't say i don't know what they actually make but uh they are releasing a homeworld <clears throat> tabletop rpg in conjunction with Homeworld 3 coming out. So the Homeworld series of games are tactical RPGs in space. You mm -hmm. control um, a mothership and a bunch of like little ships and they fly around in three dimensions. And it's kind of like uh, any real-time strategy game like uh, StarCraft or uh, Command and Conquer and stuff. And you have an opposing force in your map and you're trying to, to take them out. They're really cool games. Like Homeworld 1 and 2, just mm, choice, wonderful games. I love them so much. And mm -hmm. the lore behind those games is really cool. So the fact that they're making a tabletop RPG, I don't know exactly how it's going to partake. They, they have a couple of uh, playtest stuff out there. I think if you click um, here, I'll put the link in chat. You guys can read about it. Um, but uh, it's it seems really cool. And I'm really excited for just a fun space opera tabletop RPG in a, in a, in a world that I'm familiar with that I really like. Um, it's really cool. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's coming out. Uh, and it's by a great company. Modifius gave us produced Tales from the Loop was one of the first okay. things that put it on my radar. But Star Trek the next uh, the adventures, Star Trek Adventures, which we did a play test on my channel that received a lot of pretty good reviews and and a lot of people went and looked at it to learn how to play, which is really cool. Well put together game. They do that two D twenty system, um, but also uh, John Carter Mars is one that I'm thinking of that they're doing. They've got some Cthulhu-esque mm. games. Uh, Octone Cthulhu, I believe it is, or Cthulhu Octone, like that. Um, they're doing um, a lot of Conan, apparently, RPGs. Conan, yeah. yeah. Conan, a lot of RPGs that are based on IPs that maybe you would like and enjoy, but hasn't really had the role-playing treatment yet. So yeah. they, And they're a UK-based company. 
um, really cool, really good stuff that they put out. They, they just, every book I look through is beautiful. I love the simplicity of the rules. Um, they have a lot of licenses that I just love and adore because they go out and they grab some weird stuff like Homeworld. You wouldn't think. Oh, yeah. And I love Homeworld. Like, yeah. Don't get me started. I, <laughs> I just bought Remastered and played all through Homeworld 1 and mm -hmm. 2 when they put all the new graphics in and the campaigns are fantastic. I also played a ton of Desert of Karak, which you can, I've even got videos on my channel for that game because I've loved it so much. Um, that is such a wonderful world of wonderful visual game that to be able to put that into a role-playing game, I can't wait to see how that works. You know, mm -hmm. like what part of the storyline are we in? Are they going to give us the ability to play in different parts of the the timeline? Um, are you just a crew of a ship? Are you, are you going to dive into something else? Are you going to be hunting the artifacts? Are you going to be looking yeah. for lost technology? Are you going to be fighting uh, wars of, you know, of faction wars? What's going to happen with that? So oh, I love so the idea good. of the, of, of the rules like are we going to have tradition is it going to be traditional like i'm a grunt and, and i'm a soldier on a ship or are they going to have mm -hmm. ship rules which i'm assuming they are because you know you're going to be jumping through space and hyper jumping through space and stuff and so i just i don't know i'm really excited for mechanically how it's going to work as well because i like different mechanics and i like how people interpret them and i don't know mm -hmm. and the lore of that game is just so cool it's going to be yeah yeah I can't believe yeah. I forgot to talk about it because I was like <laughs> stoked about it uh, when I saw it a couple weeks ago and I just never put it in the notes until this morning when I was like, oh yeah, we should yeah. talk about that. Yeah, so. Modifius is a, keep an eye on the Modifius if you're not signed up for like their newsletter or you follow them on Twitter because the types of things they bring to role-playing right now and they're even doing some board game release stuff. They're doing, um, the, there's they just have a lot to offer. I put, I'm starting to put them on par with like, Wizards of the Coast being the big biggest company you can think of in role playing, then you probably have got uh, name wise maybe uh, Monty Cook Games is definitely up there. Um, Modifius should start to be up there, and then um, who's doing Pathfinder, which is slipping my mind at the Paizo. moment. Um, Paizo. So those are the big heavy hitters of the the role playing, and then you've got all the great indies. Not saying that you should only go after these big corporate uh, versions of these games, but they are putting out high quality cool nobody's putting out low quality books these days that seems everybody's getting great artists everybody's getting lots of fun and interesting design rules and lots of cool layouts and lots well, of i think cool it's artwork. it's a combination of kickstarter and mm -hmm. the internet allowing people to connect because yeah. before it was like all right let's search i don't know the greater seattle area and look for artists here are the mm -hmm. 10 that i found that can do it for the price that i want kind of a thing and and nowadays it's like uh you just put out an sos on the internet and you get like so many creative people that are willing to to uh come together and and, and build a project like that and so mm -hmm. um people are just coming up with really cool stuff and it was something this is unrelated but like uh i think with with all of these quality books coming out, people read these and they, they know that they have a standard to live up to almost. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of uh, juggling. I know that's silly, but like uh, I remember an interview with uh, Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller. And he was saying that he's like, when he was a kid, he's like, I could juggle. And that was really cool. And he's like, now that I'm an adult, these kids go to YouTube and they see that somebody's juggling like eight bowling pins 
and mm-hmm. and it's like oh and and to the kid they're just looking at that going oh it's possible and so they try until it's finally done and i think it's kind of the same thing where you like you look at these quality games and you're just like that's possible i want to build something better and cooler and so they have like a standard to live up to and it's just yeah. i don't know it's really cool like there's lots of indie games that i've been picking up lately that are really like i just got a not just but um tiny d6 tiny dungeon with the tiny D6 engine. Yeah. I think you were talking about tiny supers. It's kind of the yeah, same, tiny same mechanic. Really cool game, really cool, like easy dice rolling mechanics. And it kind of inspired me to make a system myself. And so I was like, I want to make a game. And you start <laughs> piddle, or fiddling around with all of these different mechanics and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So definitely go out and check them out. Definitely go and keep an eye on them. Um, I will definitely be buying that book, just like I bought Aliens. I'm still waiting for that one to come in. I've still got a bunch of Kickstarters that are going to eventually be coming in. Like you just mentioned, Tiny Supers finally came in. Um, But I still got a few out there um, that I think are going to be really good books. And there's always new Kickstarters. I mean, we talked about um, Grant's uh, Kickstarter Grimmer World before. We had, there's, I backed the one from um, Sean Austin. I think that's how it's pronounced his name from, um, you know, we all know him from Goonies, but we also know him from Stranger Things. He was doing a Kickstarter for his RPG game, which was kind of a, a futuristic RPG game, which was really cool. So I backed that. So it's just like you can find OSR stuff. You can find new games. You can find big studio games, small independent games, all kinds of cool dice mechanic games. And it's just like... I think we we should dub this like we have the OSR, which is old school Renaissance, right? I think we need we're in the new Renaissance. We're living in <laughs> a tabletop Renaissance right now of games because there's so many to choose from. You can play everything. You can play westerns to World War II pilots to you know adventurers to detectives, just everything. I mean, Critical Role is doing their Deadwood. Um, yeah series this you know these over this last couple of weeks which has been really good i mean they have the they have the guy that plays the king on walking dead role playing with them i'm just like (laughs) oh my god this is the greatest thing ever so we're in a we're in a great time for all of us gamers and role players and um enjoy it people i don't know how long it's gonna go maybe we got another couple of years maybe we got 10 more years maybe the crash is about to happen in a month who knows so enjoy it now i don't think it'll crash. <laughs> i think i think the community's too strong people love it so yeah so i think that's about it for news we didn't have a ton um we're gonna keep our eyes out we're starting to get into that uh holiday season for for most of us um and i think that's when we kind of Role-playing games sometimes take a little backseat during these times when people are traveling to go see family or they're taking some, you know, uh, midwinter holidays or if you're in a different part of a country, maybe this is your, you know, I'm sure most countries have holidays around these kinds of same times, whether it's for the same things or not, but it's, you know, there's always these weeks or two weeks off where you go and you visit family. So how about you? Are you thinking ahead? How bad is your schedule going to get? for that end of november beginning into december you got a lot of family stuff you're doing babies coming the baby is yeah and so with the child arriving uh november and december are just gonna be i mean christmas family in town like (laughs) i don't even uh i gotta start making videos ahead of time so that i have content for my youtube channel um and 
it's it's gonna be interesting so uh but yeah i i literally talked to a couple friends and i was like yeah i really want to play this game i've got this like dcc game or i've got this other game and i want to do this with you um and they're like well when are you available and i'm like probably mid-january 2020 we can we can do something (laughs) yeah because like by then i'll have figured out how this you know child rearing works and and i might be able to fit it but i yeah i I just think with all the family that want to come up for christmas and see the new baby and stuff um Mm -hmm. but anyway anyway is this have you decided if you're gonna have a famous child are you gonna have them on the saturday morning D D show um or we we don't know what shannon yeah. uh, my wife and i were talking about that and we're not sure if we want the yeah i don't know but i think that's i think interesting i think uh he or she will make a a, a brief appearance because people are interested so I think, because the the but i, I don't think i'm performers. gonna hold the baby while we do the show yeah <laughs> i think it would get us views man oh, i think we're go. on top <laughs> with a little D onesie and i think we're good to go but the only reason i bring it up because my impression is, is both of this child's parents are performers. They enjoy yes. being able to be out in front of people. I wonder what kind of child you're going to get. You can get one that's very similar or you can get like the introvert. That's like, I don't want to do all that stuff just because you guys do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. That'd be interesting. So I think, I think very right cool. at the beginning, they'll want to eat and sleep and, and we can provide that. So <laughs> wait, do you know if it's a boy or a girl yet? We don't, we decided to be ah. surprised. So so there you go. D&D Saturday morning D&D show. We'll do gender reveal. It's yeah. going to be great for the baby. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that's about it. Um, so that's our news. If you guys saw anything that we might have missed, go ahead and put it in the comments or throw it up in chat. Um, and we'll keep an eye on it. And then next week, we'll see what we get for next week. I'm excited. We're in a good time for role-playing games. Yeah. So as far as um, our next little segment, we would, I've tried to push and twist jordan's arm to let me do which is called uh we were calling it like bardic inspiration was the other was an idea but just inspiration campaign inspiration and the one i came up with this week which obviously is right on point because i went and saw zombie land the second one fun a double tap which i was a big zombie land fan 10 years ago it's crazy to think that it was 10 years ago um i love those actors as far as in those roles they've um some of those actors have went on to other roles that you may not have liked, or you don't think they're great, but in those roles, I loved them. They were the perfect fit mm-hmm. for that. And so it made me think of, here's a, just a, an idea to throw out there to all you, you dungeon masters that are listening. If you wanted to play a campaign that was an undead campaign, so you're, how would you do it? And what rules would you need to adjust to do it? And, would you just run a normal adventure, but everybody plays undead or how could you change the adventure to make it definitely, or the campaign to make it feel different than the other campaigns you run because the players are undead, which I think would be very interesting. So that was the idea I wanted to throw out there. What, what do you think Jordan would, if I said, Hey Jordan, we're starting and this happens to be on a night that you have free a campaign where all the players are undead. Would you be interested? Um, I would, I would ask you, is this something like, uh, cause I've heard of, I've heard of games before where you play the goblins in your lair and 
the pes these pesky adventurers keep coming in and trying to take all of your gold and stuff. And so your your job as the players is to prevent these adventurers from getting away all of your loot and to stop them with traps and stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I guess my question to you is this undead campaign, is it kind of similar? Like, are we raised by a wizard and we have to go do that wizard's bidding and we're playing monster stats or are we playing... Uh, regular Dungeons and Dragons player character stats, but we just have an undead twist on it where necrotic heals us and and uh, we can't go out in the daylight or something like that. Right. Yeah. And that would that would be what I would have to figure out. Like what type of campaign, like how would I run it so it was different? And I like your idea where there's lots of adventures or the things that you're trying to push back. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's the idea that a, a necromancer who has raised the party or mm -hmm. has created this party by whatever means, but in that process, something went wrong and you got free will, mm -hmm. you know, because normally you don't have that, but maybe you do, or maybe you just suddenly gain awareness in some way. Like World of Warcraft, they have a big storyline about how their undead faction gained awareness and how they're different from the other undead because you still might run into other types of undead. Um, in Zombieland, one of the things they were talking about in the second movie, it's still a comedy, it's still pretty funny, but one of the, the story points without trying to spoil anything is that the idea that zombies might evolve so the undead might evolve and how that might change how things are, you know, because you always want to mix up. I think Matt Colville is always talking about that. You want drama and to get drama, you need conflict, right? So you, there's got to be something there to really draw that campaign together. And then what would you let them play? Would you let the players play vampires or werewolves or would they only get to play zombies and ghouls and gas? Would you let them be ghosts? Which I mean, there is a plethora of undead creatures to choose from to let your players play for it. And would you build them new classes or would you make them undead as a race and then give them the normal class? I mean, there's so many things to think about. That's what I loved about this idea that I had over the week is it just gets your mind just reeling about the possibilities. I definitely so. like the idea of you work for a necromancer. Like he summons you and he's just like, I'm a busy wizard in a tower. That's why I raised you from the undead. I need you to go over here and like run run errands for me. And yeah. so you're you're a party of adventurers, but you're undead and you're running back and forth. That could be a lot of fun um, because he always has another job for you and you level up. And then it could get to the point where you actually, you know, attack your, overthrow your him master or something. and overthrow yeah. him to get your your life back somehow or something like that. That could be really fun. Or, or even uh, you talk about werewolves. Um, mm -hmm. what if, uh, every time the party goes to sleep, they wake up in a different area and they're just like, yeah. what, what happened? And it's like, well, you turned into a hideous beast and just destroyed that village you helped last during the day. And it's like, what? And they don't know what's <laughs> happening, but every time they wake up, they have to deal with the ramifications of turning in, into a werewolf that night. You know, yeah. uh, last Halloween, yeah, I ran a Halloween game, uh, where if I, I told myself, if one of my players died in the game, they would come back as a ghost. And that ended up happening. Uh, one mm -hmm. of our players died. And so he was really bummed about it. And then I handed him the monster sheet because uh, I photocopied the the ghost sheet and I handed it to oh. him. And he's like, are you kidding me? And he was so stoked to be a ghost. And so he was able to play a ghost for the rest of the campaign and and had a blast with it. And yeah, uh, yeah. so that was really fun. So Yeah, in our um, Storm King's Thunder campaign, one of our players, as part of their backstory, when they died... I gave them the idea they they lost they failed all their death saves they died but the the team was going to take the body 
and have it resurrected. So after that session was over, I went to that player and I said, okay, here's your chance. When they do the resurrection ceremony, you get to choose, do you want to come back or do you not? And that gives you this chance to build another character. And we work that character into the campaign, but you get to make this choice. He's like, thought about, thought about, thought about it. And he's like, okay, no, I think I want to come back. I was like, okay, can I introduce this cool plot line where you come back, but there's been a problem. You know, there's something that's happened in the ceremony and he develops or, or gets lycanthropy during it. So there's these scenes where we do, where he leaves at night, nobody knows where he goes off to, comes back and he's covered in blood or he's mm. missing his clothes. or, And we we're it was a part in the campaign that nobody could ever quite figure out what was going on. And he, he enjoyed playing up that part of his backstory, even though it didn't really tie into anything else overall, but just adding those little pieces to it, like, oh, you've been bitten by this and you're starting to turn yeah. <laughs> or, you know, how does the party deal with this? How do you deal with it as a character? And what, what are the complications? Like um, if you watch preacher, I just started watching preacher again, I'm getting caught up on it. And in that his, the preacher's friend is a vampire. So he goes around, he has to carry out an umbrella with him when he goes and helps. And he kind of seems to be a pretty good vampire. He doesn't seem to be overly bad so he's just kind of that neutral kind of guy yeah and that could be an interesting maybe your party has a vampire but they're not the evil sort so how does that how does that whole thing happen you know yeah there's lots of homebrew yeah. stuff for being a vampire player character but i'm really <laughs> surprised that wizards hasn't put out anything uh to be a vampire because well specifically my wife wants to play a vampire in in every <laughs> every game <clears throat> that she plays in so <laughs> yeah and my, my players in chat that i just described his whole backstory he's like we need to start that campaign again because yeah, <laughs> he, he did really like that that was a really good character that he was playing so so that was my idea so did jordan have a big inspiration bardic inspiration this week for gms um you know i like I like twists in games. Uh, mm -hmm. and so i was thinking a lot about and this is i was i was sorry so i bought a kids on bikes supplement that is basically just a bunch of plot hooks that you can use in your games to, to get your ideas going for a game. Um, and one of them was like aliens kind of invade the town. And this mm -hmm. corresponds to what I was going to talk about later, but like I did a live stream uh, on the 18th of October and on my birthday on Thursday um, to hang out with people. And we had this idea of like, I want them, I want aliens in my game, but I also want, uh it to be like horror halloween kind of game so we we ended up using that theme of aliens and like men in black and and so mm -hmm. we have these men in black that are trying to stop this alien but it turns out to be weird alien monsters trying to stop this other thing and so the the big like switcheroo i think is going to be that uh they think that it's all magic and this is like witchcraft and stuff and then the switcheroo mm -hmm. at the end is like oh it was actually technology that you thought was magic so ah. long long story short that's kind of where i was going with my inspiration i guess was just how people interpret things differently and how you can explain things as a dungeon master to be like uh i don't know it like like you you find this uh this weird box and it's got glowing lights all around it and it turns out that it's a remote control or something um, mm -hmm. But like the way you can describe it is that it's this weird magical box that your characters don't understand. Um, I recently ran Dungeon Crawl Classics 
and it was called that's like, what you made me just think of. Yeah, yeah it was called like out of time and it was a very similar game where they they were uh, primitive like medieval peasants that were exploring um a a inter time dimensional shifter spaceship and so they would find like uh that then that was really fun because we basically spent five or 10 minutes going over what this magic box is that has a window on the front and these weird like knobs <laughs> and stuff. And then they found out that it was a microwave. Um, and so it was just really fun for stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. I need to, uh, I feel like I, I let you down every week and I need to make an active <laughs> choice or an active decision of, of thinking about the week and thinking about what inspires me as a DM. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I got. Yeah, so I get. I like, I get I like that aliens. Feeling. I want to like use them in a in a weird way. Yeah, that that cool twist you're talking about is something that those of you that are going to be running games like Numenera come into quite a bit because the idea is that you're so far forward in time that it's almost back to fantasy and magic again, yeah. but yet there's technology that has laid dormant for millennia that adventurers dig up so when they dig it up it acts like a cool magical thing when the reality is there's a technological base behind it but as a dungeon master or a game master you're trying to find a way not to give the thing away like like you said the microwaves in front of you you don't just want to say hey okay so your your barbarian sees uh well you you know it's a microwave but your barbarian wouldn't you're trying to find a way to say you see this weird metallic box in front of you that mm. has glass on the front for some reason. Mm. Yeah. So you're trying to come up with a way not to give it away, but also to give them hints of what it might be. And so when they get that aha moment of like, are you describing a van? Is that yeah. what you're describing? You know, or what? it's a Scooby-Doo van. So much what? fun for the players to have that yeah. aha moment where they like putting the puzzle pieces together and then looking at you and you're just like, Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> It's a TV yeah. and you're just like, yeah, yep, yeah. you got it. And so, so there's cool. a, there's a weird box and a small man is on the inside of the TV and he's looking at you waving. And it's like, <laughs> you could be like, is it a prison? Is it all that? No, it's a TV. So yeah, yeah. it's just fun. It's very cool. I like all it. All right. Well, that was this week's GM or dungeon master inspiration, bardic inspiration. Uh, we'll get a good name for that at some point. And the idea is to give those ideas and put them out there. So if you want to steal them and use them for yeah, your campaign, or you were campaign. just looking, you know, just do it and tell us all about how you stole it, how you used it, how you already had come up with it. And really we were, are not that original because no idea is original at this point. <laughs> Everything's being stolen from pop culture. So that usually leads us into with that little tiny segment in the middle. One of these days I'm going to put like a screen swipe. I kept thinking about doing it this week where I would do a whole <laughs> little, put a little bumper in there that has a little snippet of music and it does the whole thing. And then it switches back over. One of these days I'll do it when we get DM production inspiration. <laughs> and then it'll switch back and yeah. But that leads us to our final phase of our show, which is where we talk about our campaigns and what we did in role playing. And I think I did a bunch of talk in there. So I'm going to let Jordan go because it looks like he had a bunch of fun played a last week. Yeah. So what did you do? Fill us in. Give us the good stuff. Um, so my acquisitions incorporated game, uh, we, so this is an interesting thing because uh, I, I was talking to my dungeon master about it. We finished a lighthouse area. Um, and there were a couple of like side quests that we could have gone on, but we decided to stick with the main storyline and we ended up having to rest in this lighthouse. So multiple days passed as we were kind of climbing this lighthouse because we would fight and then we run out of spell slots and hit dice and we, we literally had to rest or we were going to die. Um, 
so we rested and things like that. So because we rested, we missed out on other things. By the time we finished this lighthouse and got back to Phandalin, uh, multiple days had gone by and they were like, you missed this, you missed the election, you missed all this other stuff that was happening in Phandalin that we wanted to get back in time for. Mm -hmm. And it made me think of like, like we're playing in real time, which I haven't done in a game before. Cause usually if I want my players to experience something, I'm like, yeah, it took you seven days to travel here, but you guys just made it in time for the election. Like I would have done that. But our DM is very much like, no, according to the book and according to the rules that he's you know, playing by, we missed all of this. And there are ramifications for us missing content that mm. kind of makes us feel bad that we're not like <laughs> there was a there was kind of a, a a feeling in the room where we're like, oh, so like, are we not good because we didn't get to all of these, you know, extra things. So right. that that was just, I don't know, something interesting. And uh but talking again with my dungeon master, I think he thinks, or he's, he's made it clear. Like, even though there are you, you know, we, we missed the election for the mayoral election in Phandalin. Uh, there are ramifications that we can still go from that. So there's, there's branching pathways. So it's not over yet, but uh, it just is interesting to me that there's, there's a, a lot in this acquisitions incorporated adventure that you aren't necessarily going to see everything. Um, mm -hmm. and, you, and I don't see that a lot except in sandboxy kind of games. And this didn't feel like a sandboxy kind of game to me until now when I was just like, oh, like, like if we want to spend two weeks of downtime in Phandalin, there are ramifications. There's other things happening all over in Waterdeep and in Luskin that we're missing out on because we decided to build up our franchise in Phandalin. So, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's fun. Um, that happened a little bit in our in my Storm King's Thunder because I had this idea as a dungeon master to say, I want to give them four options. Yeah. And the storyline can go in four directions. And I think that'd be really cool. But if they don't do the other three, those things happen without them being there. And there will be, I want to say consequences, but the world will move on mm -hmm. because they didn't they didn't tackle those things. But I found the same problem that you just described, where my party kind of got down about. They chose one and they felt bad. Like, well, then why'd you tell us about the other three if we yeah. couldn't go and do them and do anything about them? They were they were like anything I give them, they felt like they had to go and do the, immediately. So if I would give them any other thread, they would like, oh, we got to go do that because yeah. that's what the dungeon master wants us to do. I actually had to sit them all down and talk to them about saying, no, 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 guys, there's a big world out there. It's it's reacting to what's going on. You have options, but you can't choose them all. You have to you have to make a choice, and that and you have to live with that. And they, they I think they finally got it, but they never totally bought into why do you keep giving us things we can't do, or why do you keep telling us about things we can't do? So I, I definitely there's, understand there's that, that conflict. Yeah, and we ran into it where uh, 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 some people came ashore, and they were just <laughs> like, we were on next to this lighthouse, and some people came ashore on a boat, and they were just like, hey, we need help you know, creating a mutiny on our ship because our captain's gone crazy. And we were like, okay, we'll help you, but we really need to like explore this lighthouse thinking it would take like a couple hours, but it ended up taking two days because we had to rest because we were getting mm -hmm. our, you know, butt butts kicked by ghosts and stuff like that. So by the time we finished and we left, we're just like, oh, where are they? And they're like, oh, that ship sailed. Like literally it's gone. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, like, should we have helped them first? But then were we on a, sh we, you know, and it was, it, we made a choice and that conflict is uh, what creates an evolving world, I guess. So, yeah. 
So very cool. Yeah, and then uh, my Shadowfell game, uh, having lots of fun with that when we get to play. It's really cool. Um, they had to make a, uh, speaking of choice, they came to um, a small village and they had to make a choice whether they want to go up and over the snowy mountains or underneath it in tunnels. So we have the Lord of the Rings. Do you want to go through the mountains or do you want to go underneath the in the mines of Moria kind of a thing? Um, mm -hmm. The party was split and it came down to the there, there are five players. So two of them wanted to go under and two of them wanted to go over. The final player had the had the say in it. And she said, I want to go over. So they all agreed they're going to go over. Um, they ended up fighting a uh, a giant, an ice giant that was hucking like spears of wind at them, which was really fun. And then uh, we we put them in a, a snowstorm with an ice elemental that did a bunch of crazy damage and things. Uh, and it was just fun to use monsters from Tome of Beasts. I write, I like to use monsters from the Creature Codex or Tome of Beasts because they have really hard hitting, interesting monsters that keep my players <laughs> on their toes. Um, we're yeah. doing a lot of like constitution checks to see how they handle the cold, which has been really fun. And they get levels of exhaustion or take uh, hit dice damage, which is interesting to me. Um, trying to think of new mechanics that I can use for like if it's cold. And I decided on uh, rather than like layering the exhaustion, which I could kill them pretty easy because it's kind of a downward spiral if they get two levels yeah. of exhaustion. Because then all of a sudden their checks are disadvantaged and stuff. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been taking away. I'm like, oh, you failed your constitution check. You lose three hit die. And then they have to roll that hit die. And then they lose that many hit points as well. So Ooh. when they get into the next fight, they might be down 10 or 15 hit points. And then the next time they rest, they are also down a certain amount of, uh, of stuff. So um, I don't know if I'm still streaming because I lost Lucian. Nope, I'm not. Lucian is still there. Yes, I can okay. hear you. Oh, Jordan's back. Now I'm back. There he is. Sorry. I see his eyes moving. Little hiccup. Okay, you're back. <laughs> Little hiccup. I, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Whew. Scared me. I see you. I hear you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm screaming into the void. Uh, I don't know where, where did I live off before? Because you just froze and then I'm like, is it me? And I look over and my connection was just zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were... I don't know. You have me flustered now because we, you know, I was like thinking about what am I going to do? How do I switch over? Um, <laughs> Matt yeah. just punched the giant down the canyon, yeah. says Shannon. They were fighting this. This That's my wife and my player. Um, they were fighting Yay. this uh, this giant and the giant could fly. And that was a fun thing that they didn't know about. So they ended up attacking this giant. He fell down in a canyon and then the giant like flew up out of the canyon um, yeah. our player, uh, is a monk and used stunning strike and stunned the giant. And so then I was like, well, if the giant can't really fly, if he's stunned, so then the giant just fell and splattered against the rocks below. And that's how they, they won that fight, which was really fun. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was, I like doing things like that where they're creative. Um, and he uses stunning strike a lot. I got to start using monsters that are immune to stun because yeah. <laughs> like, that's really powerful and he can do it. He's got like he's level 11 so he's got 11 key points it takes one key point to do stunning strike and he can hit like four times so he gets four chances to stun a creature oh, which means he's gonna do it it's You're pretty not fail yeah, that it's many. pretty good so um lots Very of fun cool. with uh with the shadowfell adventures and then ghosts of salt marsh was mm -hmm. a fun session um my players went to discover what's happened to a lost crew 
and they fought some Kuatoa, and that was fun. And then they came back to town. And I should say, um, two sessions ago, they uh, walked into, they got led into a cult of Shar, a church of Shar, the goddess Shar, mm. evil goddess. They uh, went into their basement um, summoning ritual area. And they asked all of the players to come forward and pledge their loyalty by cutting their hand and dripping blood into this magic circle. Uh, only one of them did it, but as they did that, a shadow demon rose up and we had a really fun encounter with these cultists of Shar and this shadow demon. They massacred everybody in here. This is a church in Saltmarsh. They massacred everybody because they were attacked and then they left. And they didn't tell anybody about it. They didn't do anything else. So <laughs> now they came back and they 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 want their reward for taking care of these Kuatoa. So they go back mm -hmm. to Councilman Anders, who is running um, running the show, and they've been working for this councilman for quite a while. And as they they're entering to talk to him, two cultists of Shar are walking out. And so these two mm -hmm. cultists walk out, and they see them, and they're just like, "Oh, evil cultists." Like, what do we do? And I'm like, well, there's a lot of guards around. He, they were clearly talking with Councilman Anders. Do you want to attack them or do you want to let them go? And they're like, we'll let them go. They immediately walk in and they're just like, why are you talking to these cultists of Shar? And he's like, well, they had uh, somebody came in and just destroyed their their temple, their church. Like, I we don't know who it is, but it was a bloodbath and people just bodies everywhere. And they all take a step <laughs> back and they're like, oh, that was us. And Councilman Anders is like, you Oh, and so he's panicking because he's associated with these people that murdered these cultists. And mm -hmm. uh, my players keep saying, but they were evil. And he was like, they weren't evil. In, like they, they are respectable voting citizen, citizens within Saltmarsh. Mm -hmm. They've never done anything evil. And they're just like, well, they attacked us. And he's like, how can you prove that? Because from our view, you you didn't come out and say and report to the authorities, hey, we were attacked or anything. You just left seven bodies in there and you looted the corpses. <laughs> like they were, they didn't have daggers and stuff because you took their possessions. So it was a really interesting uh, scenario for my players to suddenly learn that their actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. And even though this is an evil cult of Shar, like those law abiding citizens were fine in Saltmarsh. Um, and maybe that they, they should have been like, Hey, we were attacked or, or found the authorities. So they're not necessarily on the run now, but uh, they are, they are, their eyes are open. And councilman Anders said that he would uh, use some shady business practices to make sure that this doesn't a come back to him and that they don't get impl implicated for the murders of these cultists. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I just remember my player turned to me afterwards and he was half in character and half not. And he's just like, mm -hmm. I just want to apologize. We had no idea. And I'm like, and, and <laughs> Councilman Anders is like, and that's the problem. You guys need to think yeah. before you act. You're a bunch of murdering You're hobos. You're just murdering hobos. <laughs> and so that was really fun. And then uh, afterwards we did some downtime and they decided to kind of go out and and root around and, uh, and spy on these cult of Shar members. Cause they were like, we're getting thrown under the bus for something that they are clearly evil and attacked us. And I was like, and that's true, but how are you going to prove that? Cause as of right now, you are the ones who went, it, you were invited into their home and you killed them all. Like there's not, <laughs> yeah. there's nobody survived except for these, <laughs> these other members who were like, what happened? Um, right. Lots of fun. So um, other than that, uh, 
we're working, I'm working on my kids on bikes game, which was a lot of fun. And we're, I'm going to run that tomorrow. And then when I'm done, I'm going to record that and I'll put it up on my Patreon. And then a little while later, I'll put it up on YouTube. So you guys can all listen to it, but it's going to be a fun Halloween mm. kids on bikes game. I think we're going to make it a Halloween tradition. If I can get these cool. people every year, because we did it last year, lots of fun. Um, if you want to listen to last year's episode, it's on the Saturday morning D and D show channel, or it's on Patreon. Um, and you can, you can check it out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to run more kids on bikes cause it's such a fun system. So, uh, but what <laughs> did Lucian cool. do? I'm, I'm talking forever for days. Yeah. You well, that's do? good. You had a lot of good stuff. What um, was, what was interesting in the world of gaming? For I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go in like a reverse order because <clears throat> the last thing you were talking about reminded me of LB's game where we're playing, um, Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus and without a spoiler, there's a point where we're, we have this job that says my party interpreted as go kill these people when really they were kind of saying, just get rid of this. Like you said, cult kind of thing, get rid of the cult, get it out of town or whatever, which you can interpret means go kill everybody. Or you could interpret means just run them out of town or however you want to interpret it as your character does it. So my, mine are definitely the party I have at the moment is a murder hobo party. So (laughs) through the middle of it, at some point, um, we come into this room where this woman is who is clearly working on a, a corpse and s- nearly scientifically inspecting it. And through conversation, nobody just amazingly just shoots her or kills her or hits her with a sword or whatever. We get a small amount of conversation and we learn that this person is a necromancer. But the paladin loses his shit because, well, necromancers are obviously evil, so we must kill necromancers and the half of the party then tries to save the necromancer because the necromancer the way lb plays this character comes off as no no no, i just do it for research like i just i'm just really super into understanding this whole thing yeah yeah and like the but the paladin is dead set on no 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 necromancy must be evil because he plays he feels to me like a player who goblins must be you know we're playing dungeons and dragons goblins are evil orcs are evil necromancers are evil so i must kill it all with my sword and it's funny to see the players clash a little bit my character kind of stepped back and was like what are these morons doing because now they're fighting each other they're casting spell slots to stop the paladin from hacking down the necromancer they've hired the necromancer to work for us at this point (laughs) it is like this this funny thing and it reminded me of that sometimes you play with players that have preconceptions of what evil might be or what a thing might be and assign it evil even though it might not be so like this idea that maybe these law-abiding citizens who want to worship Shar, who is an evil god yeah. but maybe they themselves have not done any real evil maybe maybe some minor evil but nothing real evil nothing to go in and just nothing start that the authorities off. know about you know <laughs> yeah. and so there's no yeah, yeah, yeah. provocation for them to just you know yeah as so far it was as, really yeah, funny. Anyway. She did a great job great. of playing That's that funny. character. And it was funny to, to see that player have to adjust because he wasn't in on it. Like he is still dead set. I don't understand why we're not killing the necromancer. We're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And the party's trying to explain to him, well, not everything is evil that you come yeah. across in Dungeons and Dragons. Like in real life, like I think he believes <laughs> necromancers <laughs> are evil. We have to just kill him. He's playing that that righteous paladin kind of thing. And so one of the well, lines I kind of mentioned was, I don't know, I've seen some pretty evil stuff that paladins have said they've, you know, that they've done. Mm-hmm. 
when in reality, if anybody else viewed what they had done, which seems pretty evil, even if you're doing it in the name of Torm or, you know, or whatever. So it's interesting to, to bring that up into a game. And so far it's been, it's been super fun. Cool. Um, so as far as my games, Monday night was Seeking Revenor, uh, which is my big West Marches style campaign with my party. Uh, we had um, a guest. We brought in Danimal, our GM from Wednesday nights. He got to play, reprise his role as Drubrin, our Loxodon. Uh, he's like a multi-class. I think he's like a sorcerer warlock, I think is what he is or something like that. And um, he had a, a vision he needed to go get an artifact that was about to be stolen. And I wanted to set up a really cool encounter that involved a couple of things. One, an anti-magic field. This really messed with my party um, because I really, and I don't know if I necessarily stuck to the true anti-magic rules because I never, I, I understand how it works as far as spells and magic items and magical effects. But I don't think I ever read up, does it still affect things like the cleric's smites or, or the paladin's smite? Like, is that considered a magical effect? And does that not happen in a field of magic? Or does their divine magic still work? Because that's not counted. I would say smites are magic because it's like radiant That's damage. what I thought. Yeah. That's how I ruled it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, and like, I let him turn because I felt like maybe the god had just enough power on there that his holy symbol to try to turn the undead because it was an undead creature mm -hmm. um that i was using out of mordicanons also which was um a sword wraith was the 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 kind of template for it but i put on a uh globe of magic invulnerability which was really cool because all of a sudden my players have all these cool magical abilities and as it hits the field they all dissipate and mm -hmm. they all flipped out because all of a sudden <laughs> the warlock has nothing they could even the monk that was the other one that came up we had a monk that is using um key key but they're using the one that is um the soul sorcerer or no no the the, the one that lets you project your key at range the okay newest yeah. one that's out there but i kind of ruled that that's kind of magical also because that's a that seems like a magical effect to me, mm -hmm. even though it's key. They don't call it a magical effect necessarily. So, but I wanted it to be dramatic. So they had to really come up with some interesting ways to to deal with these things. But the other thing I threw in there that was really cool, and I remember it from an old campaign with um, uh, Adam Cobol, and he had a player that was playing a cleric of the trickery domain, and they were using duplicity. So they could, they could create a mirror image of themselves or a duplicate of themselves. That one could go out and you could cast your spells through that one. So that one could go and maybe hide behind a wagon. The bad guys would think that's who you were, cast spells from there. But if it ever got hit or dead, it was just a duplicate. It mm -hmm. wasn't actually you, which was really cool. So I put in there this same kind of, I called it a hidden priest. And it was using this duplicity and it was using illusions to make the players think things were happening, putting tracks on the ground to make them follow the wrong way. Um, showing up a, a duplicate to make it think that he's in one spot, casting spells from that spot, but he really isn't in that spot. And they were, they had no idea what was going on. They thought I was just bending rules, cheating. They're like, that's not how this spell works. How did he, even if he misty steps, he's only 30 feet. He should still be in my uh, range of, I can see him. And they were just going crazy about the stuff. And I was just like, Oh, there's reasons <laughs> you may not understand the reasons, but it, so it was really fun to really mess with their knowledge of the game because I play with a group that's very rule knowledgeable. 
So they're always watching what I'm doing is like, okay, well, if he bonus actions, misty steps, then he can't cast a normal spell because then you can only do a cantrip kind of roll. I'm like, well, monsters don't necessarily have the same rules and there's things that they can have that you don't know about or special abilities once per day kind of things or even just special abilities, legendary actions, all these things that you don't know about that they might be able to do. So it's fun to mess with them in that. And I had a really good time with this encounter um, for them. They felt super frustrated, but I, I find that good for them because I feel like it builds character for them if they're frustrated. <laughs> yeah, nothing. not everything can be a cakewalk, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, so that was really fun. Um, one of the other things that really got me, the the bad guy was in using invisibility to try to grab the artifact from the guardian of the artifact. Our players get there at the same time. The bad guy realizes, hey, why don't I just wait while the players try to get the artifact and that will give me time to steal it mm -hmm. while they're doing all the fighting and I don't have to do it, which is what the whole premise was. And he gets it, he gets out and he runs for it. Drubrin goes after him, leaves the party behind. And now we have this really cool thing where I could do a split off campaign if I wanted to with Drubrin chasing this artifact that his God told him to go get and he's failed. So now he needs to get a party together to continue to this. And I thought like I could send it all the way back to the Sword Coast and I could use it as an in for one of the other modules because I started getting itch to play an official module. So I was like, oh, this would be a perfect in for Drubrin to pick a party and go after that. And it's a whole nother non-seeking um, Revenor part. Like they're all on a different continent and I could do mm -hmm. all of them. So it just got me thinking about what would I want to run, and I'm, I keep batting the idea around. But like you said, I'm already in three campaigns. Can I really add a fourth campaign at this point? And they're all Dungeons & Dragons. So I don't know. Wednesday, I'll wrap it up with uh, we played Tomb of Annihilation. This is still super fun. Uh, Danimal, our dungeon master from Down Under, he's uh, our the our favorite Australian at this point, and he oh, does not a the really underdog. good job. Okay. Yeah, not the not the other one. <laughs> the, the underneath. Um he does a fantastic job of running games. We're all having a lot of fun. We're all laughing. Um, right now, one of our players has accepted a, a ghost of a god, a dead god, into him. And he's decided that that makes him like Macho Man Randy Savage. So his whole personality has changed to be nice. the Macho Man. And then my, my character got a Bracers of Defense as a wizard, a Bracers of Defense and a health amulet. So now all of a sudden at eighth level, uh, I have a better AC and more health than our paladin of the party. <laughs> I'm just the wizard. So that was our big thing is that now we're turning it into almost like a wrestling show. So it was really funny. And so that everybody's having a really good time with those characters. And it's been a great campaign. Tomb of Annihilation is just, when you have like the it. right DM running it, it is so fun and it's been really good. Nice. So. And I think that's where I'll wrap it up. I've got a lot of gaming coming up in this next week and I can't wait. And we got Halloween coming up in this mm -hmm. next week. So that's going to be fun. I'm going to work at a haunted house. Nice. So we'll see how that goes. I'll tell that's you all fun. about it next Saturday. Yeah. Cool. Uh, thanks for coming out, everybody. This is awesome to see you here. Sorry that my internet had a hiccup, but uh, we're, we're back. So it's mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show with more games, more topics, and more whatever random thoughts are in our head. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Uh, leave comments on the YouTube channel. Tell your friends to subscribe. Do all that jazz. Thank you guys so much for yeah. supporting the show. We will see you 
uh, next week. So goodbye, everybody. Take care. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.